welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode 278 of the podcast. I'm so glad you're spending this time with us today. I have another extraordinary woman to share with you today. My guest today is Brittany Schroeder. Brittany is an extraordinary mom who's going to tell about a very, very difficult time in her life when she lost her teenage son to an accident. She's going to share about that accident, what she has learned from that experience, how she helped her other kids to cope from that loss, and how it fuels the mission of the work that she does today with the Compassion Club. It is so hard going over life stories that involve trauma and loss and heartache, but I want to really emphasize the importance of such events in our lives for the purpose of fueling us to continue living. And while she would obviously trade places with her son in a second, I think it's so important to realize that she's still here for her other kids and for her family and for the world, and so she's choosing to show up, and I admire that so much. So let's get to my conversation with Brittany. All right, I want to welcome Brittany Schroeder to the show. Hi, Brittany. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Good. Where am I speaking to you from today? I am in Spring, Texas, which is just outside of Houston. Perfect. And how long have you lived there? You recently moved, right? Yeah, we have been here. We moved in July, so just about three or four months. And how are you liking it? How are you settling in? We like it. Moving is not easy, but then there's also a lot of opportunity that comes with moving and with being able to meet new people and enjoy new places. And so it's kind of how you approach it, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think the the biggest part, I think as an adult, it's more, will my kids be okay? Will my kids make good friends? So, you know, it's more, to me, this move was more, I was more concerned about my kids. Yeah. Just adjusting and finding good friends. Absolutely. Especially because these last few years have been really challenging for your family. And we're going to go into that today. But for people that may not know you, will you just give a little background on yourself and your family? Um, so I grew up in a small, small town in Utah. Um, and um, I met my husband at Utah State University. And we've been married 20 years. So I... Um, I graduated from Utah State in exercise science and health, and then um, I never really worked because I wanted to stay home with my kids, and I'd always just find, like, odd jobs to do here and there, Um, and then I got into photography, so um, I started doing high school senior photography, and I also um, owned a a photography magazine with one of my friends, so we owned that for, for five years. We recently just sold it. And then um, my most recent thing is I am getting ready to to start a business in in life coaching. Really? Yeah, I'm still doing I'm still doing photography because I love the photography. I love that, but um, I want to put most of my effort into uh, helping others and and do life coaching. 
I've heard of a lot of people exploring life coaching as an offshoot of an original business they had. So like one of my friends does professional organizing and she's really found that the outside clutter relates very much to the inside mental state and mental clutter that people experience. And so perhaps photography kind of ties into that emotional capturing memories and things. Do you see that those two things are kind of related? Oh yeah. I mean, I have learned, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm taking a, a certification class right now and I have learned so much. I, I wish I would have done it 10 years ago because it's just so applicable in so many aspects of your life. And, you know, it's about the mind and, and your thoughts and it, yeah, it applies all the time. I'm constantly like analyzing and thinking through, oh, this is why this happens. And this is why this, it doesn't mean this. And, and I think as women, we internalize so many things. And so it's just been like really eye opening. I really think one of the number one things that if you can get clear on this, this is, will change your life is that events are neutral and oh, yeah. it's the meaning we assign to them. And so not that, you know, a certain emotion or thought is not appropriate as a reaction to an event, but ultimately how you want to carry that out and how you want your future to look. Sometimes we hang on so tightly to the meaning we assign to something versus being able to give it some new meaning or some new feelings surrounding it gives us so much more freedom to feel and live how we want to live, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's for sure. Oh, and how many kids do you have and how old are they? So um, I currently have a son that he's going to be 14 this month. And then my daughter is going to be 10 next month. Yeah. So. And your son, Gage, is who we are going to really be focusing upon today. How old was Gage when he passed away? So Gage was 14 when he passed away, almost 15. And so he was your oldest? So I actually, my story starts way back. Go back. I, <laughs> go way back. Go all the way back. Take us back and tell me about it. So I had been married. Um, my husband and I had gotten married. And then like three months after, I, I got pregnant. And um, we was pregnant with a little girl. And I was 37 weeks along, and um, she was a, a stillborn. So we had a stillborn, and that was in 2000. And then um, Gage was born in 2002. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so he was – so really he was my first living child, mm-hmm. but not my first loss of a child. Yeah, and there's a lot of people listening who have experienced, whether it's a miscarriage or stillborn or losing a premature baby, you know, I've never experienced anything quite like that. But after interviewing a lot of women who have, there's nothing quite like that. Can you tell me what that experience kind of taught you and how it kind of shaped the way you viewed motherhood then going into it with your other kids? Um, yeah, and and touching on what you just said about um, people having miscarriages and um, losing children and everything, it was one thing that I've learned is we all – we all deal with sorrow. Nobody is immune to sorrow. We all go through it. And me going through um, a loss like that, I can't compare myself to say somebody going through like infidelity or divorce or infertility because that is the worst thing that they've ever gone through. And so I've learned that I'm not special. I'm not, you know, I'm not immune to it. Everybody goes through it. Mm. And so as a parent, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, I lost my first 
child when I was, I mean, I was young, I was like 21 and it was really painful. And I look back now and I think, oh, that pales in comparison to losing an almost 15 year old son where I have all these memories and everything. But, you know, about, I look at it like about 18 months before he passed away. Um, I was talking to my girlfriend and she has older, older kids too. And, And it's so interesting in our journey of motherhood because we have these little kids and they're so needy and, you know, they take up all this time and, and, you know, we're just like, Oh, I just want them to be easier. I want them to be out of it. And, and you want to have, you want to get your life again too. You want to like discover yourself again. Then they get to an age where you start to panic because it's almost over. <laughs> and I remember having a conversation with my girlfriend about 18 months before Gage's accident and saying, I remember just crying to her. And I remember saying to her, like, I only have four years left with my son until in my head until he graduated. And it was like, I totally had a shift in my life where I decided to put my business to the side. I mean, still doing it, but not a priority. I'm just devote my life to like mostly my older son at that time, because I was feeling like my time was limited. Mm. And it was just like, I did for that year. It was just like, our, my life revolved around him and his friends. And I remember we had just gotten our kitchen redone and his friends would come over with skateboards and, you know, and, and I was just like, I don't care. These are things and these are people. And I look back now and it was just like such a tender mercy because I only had one year left with him, but just, I really, just I'm so grateful and so blessed that I had that that moment in my life where I was given the opportunity to just love him and just adore him and just embrace my son for a year. Mm. So I just think it's, you know, you just can't, you can't take things for granted. You know, this is such a short time in our lives that we need to really like enjoy it. Yeah. And what did that change of intention do for your relationship with your son? Like, what would you do with him? Like you said, like your house was the gathering place. And I bet you just replay those memories of everyone coming over. And I'm sure they hate you out of house and home. And, you know, like, what do you remember about those times? And what did it do for your relationship? So I remember, you know, one of the things that I'm really proud of as a mom and as a parent is my relationships with my kids. I'm very open. I, I'm a talker. I I want to know, you know, and which I want to know how they're, what they're thinking, what they're feeling, you know, who did you play with today? I'm just a very inquisitive person in general about people. I love to see how people, like how their days are. And, you know, he would come, all my kids will still, you know, like come and get in bed and let's talk about the day mom and, You know, they'll say things like, you know, what was the best part of your day today? Or on a scale from one to 10, what was your day? And just spending time with my son. One of a memory that we have that we kind of chuckle at now is um, my gauge would come and and lay in bed with me and we would watch TV or whatever. We'd sit and talk and my husband would come up 
and ready for bed and he'd get annoyed at Gage and say, Gage, get out of my bed, go to your own bed. <laughs> and he was just so cute and funny and witty. And he'd look over his shoulder and he'd say, he is so jealous of us. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And he was just like super witty. And I, I joke that he, he always held my hand, you know, even as an almost 15 year old boy, like, he would grab my hand and sometimes I'd get mad at him and he'd grab my hand and I'd give, knock it off, knock it off. And he wouldn't let go of my hand. And, you know, I just have so many, like, just so many fond memories of, you know, just loving my son and him loving me. And, and it's funny because and after he passed away, his friends, I would meet his friends, different friends that weren't, you know, like common to our house or anything. And I would know their stories. I would know who they were because he would tell me about, he just, he loved to talk too. And we just, I just loved him. I just adored. I was just so proud to be his mom. He was just such a good person and son and just a good soul, you know? Mm. Those are such wonderful memories. And I'm so glad you had that year with such intention and I bet you're so glad as well. And we can all do that. We can start this very moment. We don't need to wait. We don't need to know what's around the corner. We could have years and years and years left, or we may have a year. We don't, no one's promised anything, but we get to choose to love and lead with that love and making memories and allowing them to just hold your hand or allowing them to just linger in bed or stay up later talking, whatever it is, and just realizing those are going to be the moments that you remember and that make you smile, that make you cry, that make you just realize this is what it's all about. Oh, wow. Will you share about your son's accident? Yeah. So um, he was, like I said, he was almost 15 years old. He was a freshman in high school. And he was, we, we don't know exactly what happened, but he was messing around with a firearm and it went off. And, and that is... And that's what happened. So it was rough. It was really sad. So, so sorry. I have three boys, like I told you before, and uh, they're younger than yours. And just picturing them growing up and those relationships and everything. And then having something like that happen, I can't imagine. I'm so, so sorry. How did you find out? So um, my husband found him, had come home and found him. And, oh. um, and I, I mean, it was just, we had been gone just not even like 30 minutes, minutes. And then, um, my husband had called and they had taken him to the hospital. He was on life support for, um, about 24 hours. So, yeah. And did you know that he wasn't going to make it or what were those 24 yeah. hours like? We yeah. knew, we knew right away that he wasn't going to make it or, that he would never be the same. You know, mm -hmm. we knew that it was time to let him go, you know. Oh, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And it's been how long? A year and a half? So it's just about a year and a half. Yeah. 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 And so in those early days, preparing for your son's funeral, comforting your other children, what was that time like and how were you able to get through and I'm sure that was even a struggle getting out of bed. It would be for me. Yeah. 
I think, you know, it's so interesting because grieving is, it's just such a roller coaster, mm-hmm. you know, because that I, I was really good. One of the things that I did that was really like healing in a way to me is I documented it. So mm-hmm. I, I wrote on, um, mostly on my Instagram account and I like every day I would write something and when you write, I don't know what it is about writing. And, and so, I mean, to me, it was like my journal, you know, I've gotten it printed and put in books and everything. It was like, I would write and I would just sob and sob and sob, you know? And even now, whenever, you know, I'll write things about him and it's therapeutic in a way. So mm-hmm. it really was a good outlet. And just, I just have amazing friends, but so after his passing, it was, um, people just started coming to our house. Um, we lived in, this was in El Paso, Texas, and we lived there eight years. And it was all of a sudden we were getting, you know, people were sending flowers. People just want to do something, you know? And I said to my friend, you know what? I don't want the flowers. Like that's a waste. <laughs> I'm such a practical person, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, I don't want flowers. Don't send this. And then we said, what if we set up, uh, what if we set up like a, a scholarship? And if people want, they can donate. So um, we put, we started the Gage Schroeder Compassion Scholarship and we, we opened up a, a GoFundMe and within days we'd had over $30,000 in donations what? to start this scholarship. Yeah. Wow. And why the compassion aspect? What was it about well, Gage that sparked that word? You know, it, it's, it's funny because, um, I actually just wrote a blog post about this. I, um, and I can get to that, but Mm -hmm. you know, he just talked to everybody. He was just such a kind person. And after his passing, like, you know, it it is, you know, you're so sad and it's almost like for any of those who have lost a loved one, you really are in a haze for like a year. You know, your mind is not clear. You, all you think about, you try to rewrite history you try to say, what if I, if I would have done this, you, you almost, it's like, almost like a dream that you can't wake up out of, you know? But I, I mean, I remember just being surrounded, you know, I had families there. My family was there. Our families flew in. Um, but I couldn't even tell you to this day who was at my house. I mean, that's what a haze I'm in. But then the most amazing thing happened. We started getting letters and messages like handwritten letters and messages and texts and emails and we got over 600 messages from people how he had touched and impacted their lives and just how he was just so kind there was like i think there was like five that were anonymous that said well there was a few anonymous and a couple people came to our house that said if it wasn't for him i wouldn't be alive today because he was my only friend And he was just very intuitive. You know, it was interesting because we got letters from people. We got a lot of letters that we didn't even know them. He, he was just like, he was super, super smart, super outgoing. He had, he had his own little business and it was called the can man and he would clean people's garbage cans. Genius. I need him. Yeah. That's amazing. So gross. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so he would go door to door and knock on people's and I would get letters from some of these people that he cleaned their garbage cans and how they would say, you know what, we didn't even need our garbage cans clean some weeks, but we just wanted to see Gage because he would come and he would talk, play with my kids and, 
ask how my day was doing, how my day was, and just so kind. But we just got, you know, I got letters like that, and we put them in a book, and that was like kind of for me, kind of therapeutic. I filled two great big, huge albums full of all these letters, and people would text me messages and memories, and I would print them out and put them in the book, and. But we just started receiving all these letters. And so it was just like so touching. And to me, I always knew he was an amazing kid, but I had no idea the impact and the outreach that he had. And still to this day, I probably get one or two messages a day. Not a day, not a day, I'm sorry. One or two messages a week about, you don't know me, but I want to tell you the story. You know, things like I was getting bullied and he stood up for me or my parents were going through divorce and he knew something was wrong. You know, it was just like message after message. And so, um, you know, it was just, it was kind of, so, and it's weird because even now I was talking to my husband about this and it's, it's such a mixed emotion. So, you know, like I had one of his little girlfriends text me like a memory the other day and I said, it's happy and sad at the same time. I'm crying because I'm happy and I'm crying because I'm sad, you know? It's always hard to interject on episodes like this, but I did want to thank our show sponsor today, and that is Every Plate. You guys know I love meal planning services that help me to take one more thing off my plate, and Every Plate has been my newest discovery that I'm obsessed with. You can enjoy amazing chef-designed meals for just $4.99 per serving, and every plate dinners are cheaper, healthier, and just a fantastic alternative to takeout or delivery, which is kind of my go-to on busy nights. Every plate does the meal planning, shopping, and prepping for you, taking the time-consuming guesswork out of cooking, and you never buy more ingredients than you need because of their individually pre-measured ingredients. It is so fantastic. My family has loved these meals. Last week, I made a pork chop dish that was so delicious, and the step-by-step picture recipe makes it a no-brainer. I think I could even give it to my husband to do. So, the thing I love about every plate, though, is the lower price point. $4.99 per serving. $4.99. That is literally less than a half a meal these days. So, I would love it for you to try every plate. For 50% off of your first box of every plate, go to everyplate.com and enter EMP. That's everyplate.com and enter promo code EMP to get 50% off of your first box. Thanks, Everyplate, for sponsoring the show. Now let's get back to it with Brittany. So then after we got all this, so we were getting all these letters, and then after that, the teenagers, they started coming to our house. I mean, at any given time, it was when he passed away, it was May. At any given time during that summer, there was in between 10 and 40 kids that would just knock on our door and just show up. And they just wanted to be in our house. They wanted to go sit in his room. They wanted to, you know, talk to him. His friends would show up and just to be with my family. And they just would come over and the kids just came and and I saw them struggling and I was like, how can we help them? How can we help these kids? And it's, it was, I, I'm, I'm a big self-help book. I read all these self-help books. So then after he had passed away, I read all these books. And a lot of them, the bottom line was believe in something greater. And the other thing was like, serve others. If you wanna heal, you have to serve others. So I saw these kids that were struggling and 
you know, my husband and I have always kind of lived that that kind of life where we say, okay, we're struggling in life. Let's go serve somebody else. So we're not like stuck on ourselves, you know, and, and I'm a big believer in like serving others. And then when you serve others, it opens your heart to receiving blessings. And so I, I'm like, how can we help these kids? How can we help them? I saw them coming over. I, ha- I saw them struggle, you know, with anxiety, depression, substance abuse, you know, just, they were just struggling. And I met with a, another lady who had lost her son who had started a nonprofit. And I just said, I have all this money. Like, I don't know what to do with it. You know, we have a scholarship, but it needs to mean more. And I remember her saying to me, it will come to you. It will come to you. And then the summer ended and school started. And I was like, how can we help these kids? And so I said, you know what? I want to, let's start a club. Let's start a compassion club. And so I met with the school districts and said, can we start this club at the high school where he had all these friends? And they were like, yeah, do it, do it. So we started the club. And at first we're thinking once a month and the kids begged us, no, no, please every week, every week. So we're like, okay. So we started meeting with them and we would, we would tell a story about Gage or just another like uplifting story and give them a message. And then we would do a random act of kindness. So like one time we put like 2000 post-it notes on lockers in the school that had like uplifting things. One time we, um, there was one time where it was the, their last home football game and we came and picked up the trash to give the janitors the night off. Um, one time we took pizzas around and found kids that were sitting by themselves at school and ate lunch with them. And we just started doing all these like serving others because that is what healed me. That was helping me heal. I'm still healing, but I knew how healing it was to serve others. And then we started getting messages on social media, kids. I mean, hundreds of kids that were like, how can I get this at my school? How can I get this at my school? And then that's when it came to me is like, we need to get this in schools. So we organized a nonprofit. It's called the Compassion Club. And um, I I got a, a group of educators, parents, administrators, counselors, and we created a curriculum for Compassion Club. And it's it's it has 12 different values and um, it has 12 different values and then it has a story and then it has a list of activities. So, um, yeah, so it's been really awesome. And so we have got them in schools. I speak at schools and then they, they start clubs. I'm actually headed to Michigan tomorrow to speak at a couple schools. So, yeah, so we're really excited about that. And then what we do is kids that are in the compassion clubs can be nominated for scholarships. And so last year we gave over $10,000 in scholarships and grants to just nice people, just kind people. And so it's been like really, really healing and just like such an amazing experience. And it's interesting because the kids, they love it because, you know, we're in a, we're in a day and age where we just want to belong and the kids, they need to belong. And if they're not smart or they struggle in school and they're not an athlete, like where do they belong? You know, they need to belong. And, you know, it's interesting because the kids would start to message me. We had probably 150 kids that came to Compassion Club 
And about 70 to 80 of those consistently came every single week to listen to us give a message and to do a random act of kindness. And, and I remember them just saying, I don't, I don't fit anywhere else. I don't belong anywhere else. Like I love the compassion club. It's the best part of my week. And, you know, and then we have one in, in Michigan and it's run by the special ed teacher. And it's like, here's these kids who there's one girl in a club in Michigan that's nonverbal. 90% nonverbal and she goes around all week saying club club oh, you know they had a homecoming yeah. parade and here's these special ed kids on a float for the first time in their life they're a part of something and so it's just it's just been so healing and rewarding to help and I just feel like I'm like helping my son's legacy like live on you know yeah and so. teenagers can get a bad rap sometimes yeah. right and so yeah. you would not expect you know a teenage boy to be the source of all of this right know. like you know by society's you know interpretation yeah. of what a teenage boy is or isn't right oh, yeah. so to see these kids rallying and being get offered this purpose and to show them they fit. They fit in this yeah. world just as they are. What would Gage think of all this? You know, he, like I said, he was a very intuitive kid and he didn't, you know, he did not discriminate with age. He did not discriminate with, with, you know, intelligence, he did not discriminate, you know, he was friends with everybody, he talked to everybody. And I, I, I recently wrote a blog post about this, that when he was little, he would talk to everybody. And I was constantly apologizing for my son, <laughs> you know, like, oh, I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry. And, you know, and, and, you know, some people he would drive crazy, but I, somebody gave me the advice and it was the things that drive us the most crazy about our kids is what's going to make them an amazing adult. And, you know, something that some people found so annoying that he talked a lot ended up being like the greatest blessing for so many. Mm. And I think as mothers, sometimes we're so quick to judge and so quick to needs to be perfect in this box, but we need to like, see we need to be able to see in our kids like these things that drive us crazy how they impact they can impact people so positively mm. you know right and sometimes you just need to think a little creatively of how to use those skill sets and those talents and those things in order to make them beautiful and meaningful and to contribute yeah. in that way yeah as a mom when our kids are hurting or if we've gone through a loss, I mean, most moms would say like, I would trade places in a second with them. You know, I just, I, I want them to have all the things and to live the long life and everything. But I think there's such power in you choosing to live and to live with purpose and to get out of bed. And I'm sure there are days where it takes all you have just to do that, just to show up. But to create the Compassion Club, to spread this love, to support his friends, to show up for your other kids, how have you been able to do that? And what have you learned through this experience about knowing I'm still here and so I need to do something? Yeah, that's a really good question because when you lose, like when you lose a child, but you have other children, yes, you, you are torn between like wanting to be 
you know, it, it really is like an inner struggle between wanting to be with the ones you've lost and to be with the ones you have, you know, that are still here. And, you know, like we buried Gage in Utah next to our daughter, Taylor. And we always say half of our kids are here, you know, it sucks, mm. but we still have two more kids. And I think I remember one time my, my son, my other son, um, that's just under Gage. I remember him saying, would you have died for Gage? Would you have like, and I said, I would have died for him. I would have done anything if I could trade places I would, but I, I mean, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want him to lose me. I think, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. I think, I think it would be harder on him for, you know, I wouldn't want him to feel the pain that I feel. And we were so close that it just would have destroyed him, you know? And, but it's just like the best thing that we can give our kids is our own happiness. And as a happy mom, like that is the, you know, and to find peace and happiness. And I think my other kids deserve the best mom they can get. And so I think that that has pushed me forward to, yeah, I have sad days and yeah, I, I cry and, you know, I'm sad about him, but I want to give my kids, my other two kids are just as important to me and I'm here. You know, sometimes we don't have choices. You know, I didn't have a choice to lose Gage, but I have a choice to be happy. I have a choice, you know, to give my kids happiness. Mm. And you're modeling for them that then they have a choice to live and make their life count. And they have a choice to impact others with compassion and kindness. And I I heard from somebody else who spoke specifically about divorce, but somebody said, like, your kids will do just about as well as you do. And I believe that across all facets of life. You know, like, I'm a recovering yeller. I talk about this a lot on the podcast. But, like, I cannot yell at my kids to stop yelling. That's not going to work, right? (laughs) And so when it comes to modeling for our kids the behavior we want to see in them, choosing joy even when it's hard, overcoming challenges when it feels like you'd rather give up. I want to show that to my kids and you are showing that to yours. How are your kids doing now? Good. You know, it's interesting because like I said, everybody grieves differently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, my, my son who, so he was 12 when Gage passed away and my daughter was eight. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, he, he came home from school yesterday, you know, somebody said something and he had a bad day and he wanted to come home and he's really great. And I think it's so important to teach our kids to express themselves. You know, it's okay to be sad, especially boys, because, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in society, sometimes we say you need to be strong and, and boys don't cry. And you know what? It is okay to cry. You know, it's healthy to cry. Yes. So, you know, he's, he's very open. He's, he's a talker. You know, he is my one every day. He comes home, mom, how was your day on a scale from one to 10? How was your day? But where did he learn that? He learned that from you, (laughs) but he is very, very kind and concerned, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, he's doing good. We had gotten, we, I had taken him, my kids to counselors and, and she said, you know, it's interesting because like, if you believe in the birth order, he was a middle child and then my son died and now he's the oldest. And so he has, 
but just in such a sweet and daring way, he's taken on the oldest child where he feels like he needs to take care of me and doesn't want me upset. And so he's, he's done great. I mean, we all have bad days. My daughter was eight and she just dealt with it in a different way. She, you know, it's almost a blessing that kids, you know, they don't have, they don't grieve the way that we do. Mm -hmm. They're so resilient. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that was another thing when I lost him, I thought, Oh my gosh, like, am I, is it going to mess up my other kids? Are they going to struggle? And, you know, my daughter doesn't like to talk about it and I'm trying to teach her to express herself. You know, she's just, it's uncomfortable for her. And that's something that we struggle with as a society is we don't like to be uncomfortable. You know, that's why we have, you know, that's why we, that's why we overeat. That's why we, you know, we do drugs. That's why we do all these things because we don't want to feel discomfort. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be sad. We don't, you know, and I just try to express to my kids how important it is to feel and Mm -hmm. and it's okay to, to be uncomfortable. It's okay. Accept those feelings and let them be, you know, just sit on that for a second and cry if you need to, or be mad if you need to. Mm -hmm. And there's no shame in that. So, but my kids, you know, my kids have done really well. I'm like so proud of them for, you know, they've had to grow up fast, a lot faster than most, Mm -hmm. but they, they have done well. And, you know, one of the things that this is just kind of a sidebar, but, you know, we have a lot of great memories and somebody gave me advice when I first got married and it was go on vacation with your kids every year. And I have, you know, I'm a photographer. I have tons of pictures of all these amazing experiences. And so, you know, we, we have great memories of him. You know, I, I look forward to the day that I can look back and I can smile about it and be happy about it. You know, I'm still, I'm still grieving. I'm still sad. I still miss him, but you know, I, you know, I wouldn't be who I was unless, you know, if I didn't have the trials, trials make you who you are and make you stronger. Yeah. Sometimes it takes a big catalytic, I don't know if catalytic is a word, but a big event to kind of shift our perspective. Is there anything that you can pinpoint, let's say even two years ago, that you were really focused on or worried about that you know now doesn't matter at all? Oh, yeah. I I think, you know, a career. You know, I Uh, had a career as a photographer and, you know, I was really successful and you know, and it's interesting because, and even things, you know, a house, we, I always, my, my daughter the other day, she got mad because somebody spilled something on her sweatshirt or something. And I just explained to her, Presley, that is a thing. You know, she, it was her dad who dropped a smoothie and it (laughs) went everywhere and she got mad at my husband and he felt so bad, you know, and I, you know, I just explained to him, those are things, those Mm -hmm. are not people you know, and, you know, I talk about when all said and done, when we die, what are we leaving behind? You know, we're not going to, people aren't going to say, you know, like with my son, I, I talk about this in the curriculum in the compassion club is I say, he was a wrestler. He wrestled varsity. He was gifted. He scored in the top 5% of the state of Texas. He was gifted in every subject, you know, But when all is said and done, what do people say about him? It's not he was a wrestler and it's not he was smart. It was he was kind. Mm. And I just think we we kind of lose sight of, you know, that that is the most important thing. 
is, is treating others kindly and being compassionate of others. And, and so it, you know, it just, it just gives you perspective, you know, I, I was listening to a, I was listening to a podcast the other day and it was saying, you know, that we say, oh, I wish that this guy was saying, I wish I had abs and he got abs. And then once he got abs, he said, I wish I had muscles. So he bulked up and then he got bigger muscles. And then he's like, gosh, I miss my abs. Hmm. And then he said, when he was little, he said, all I want to do is be a millionaire. That's all I want to do. And then he grew up and he was a millionaire and he said, oh, I wish I was a kid again. I wish I didn't have to worry about anything again. Hmm. And I just think so often we, we're not living in the moment. We're not appreciating the things that we have now and embracing right now. You know, we so often say, if I had this, I would be happy. Or if I could do that, I would be happy. And it's just about living in the moment, living in each day and finding joy in everything we do every day. And I think, you know, something I will say about the sorrow in my grieving is just having gratitude. You know, I, you know, I, I, I'm lucky and I'm super blessed because I never went through an angry phase. And I, you know, I, I'm not like, I don't say I'm mad that I don't get to see him grow up. I say, I'm grateful that I got to be his mom for almost 15 years. And I just think like, you know, I'm grateful that I didn't lose like more, you know, I didn't lose my other children and my husband, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm blessed. I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to, you know, I'm grateful for my education. I'm grateful for my, you know, my work ethics. I'm grateful for my childhood so that I can, do this nonprofit so I can spread the word. I'm, I'm, you know, just, so I think it's just like so important just to have gratitude, you know, mm. and, and look for in every, every situation in your life, there's something you can be grateful for. And by, by searching that and, you know, if you are, if you have that mindset, like life is so much better and easier if you can just like recognize those things in your life. That is powerful. That is powerful. Oh, you're amazing. So if people want to find out more about the Compassion Club, if they're like, we need this in our area, is it mainly geared towards high school or is it at different levels as well? So we have a high school curriculum and we have an elementary curriculum. Oh, cool. So So where can they find it? You can go to our website. It's www.showcompassion.org. And our Instagram, which we put a lot of activities that the kids are doing, is compassion underscore club. And that's on Instagram. We're on Facebook, too. We're all over the place. But, um, yeah. So it's, yeah, we have two curriculums. And, you know, the kids love it. We've had such great success with it. It's really been rewarding. Amazing. Amazing. I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I think you are so extraordinary. I I think and I know that Gage would be so happy that the very things that he tried so hard in his life to do and be, you're doing it. You're doing it. And they, the world will see him through all of it. And I think that is incredible. I always ask my guests one final question, and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Not to be so hard on myself and to enjoy every single moment, embrace every phase, embrace every 
you know, every moment because it will be gone before you know it and just really enjoy it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your motherhood journey. Thanks for sharing about your son. And thank you for the work that you're continuing to do. I know it's going to impact so many that need to feel that love and compassion that Gage showed to all of his friends in his sphere. Whew. That was a lot. It was a lot to get through. But I hope you walk away not just knowing more about Brittany's story, but that after hearing her story, that it will increase your desire to be more intentional, to be more grateful for your kids, and to have more of an eternal perspective of living out the values and the life that really, really matters the most. I love what she talked about, about realizing what things don't matter after you suffer a loss like that. That really impacted me, and I am so very grateful for her willingness to share on the show today. So keep up the great work, Brittany. Keep doing that compassion work. Engage his name. He just must be beaming. Look at you living your life. Look at you getting up and choosing to live every day. Love it. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at Jessica Dahlquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. You can see beautiful pictures of Brittany and her family over at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com and links to the Compassion Project over there as well. Coming up this Friday, I'm doing a book club episode where I'm sharing some of the books I've been enjoying lately, and I can't wait to share that with you. So thanks for tuning in the podcast today, and we will see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.